Hello, it's a blessing and a joy today for us to join you and worship our God together and sing songs to Him and now step in and be in front of His Word. It is a joy for us, it is a blessing for us, and I'm blessed to be able and allowed to, to share with you God's Word today, this morning. So uh, I'm going to invite you, if you can join me, and uh, we're doing Psalm 1. And psalms are always, for me, they have this congregational tune. So if, if, you're, if you can, um, let's stand up and let's reread um, Psalm 1 all together at one voice, as loud as you can. <laughs> Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You may be seated. Let's pray. Our Lord, Heavenly Father, we pray that your name will be magnified today, that your glory will be engraved in our eyes, that the hope of our Savior will ignite our hearts in worship and adoration for you. Jesus, be glorified today, in this time, in this hour. In your name we pray. Amen. Psalms have always been a Bible fan favorite. Everyone that is a Bible reader has a favorite psalm. I hope. I look at you and I'm not sure. Now, I know, I know you have a favorite psalm. And, and some of these psalms have even become, to, to some extent, even part of pop culture, like Psalm 23. It's been in movies and TV shows, even in, in phrases and songs. Maybe you grew up in a house that in the kitchen bowl had a psalm um, and, 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 and a psalm and, and, and a little poster or engraved in a, in a wooden board. Maybe in the toilet walls, behind the door, there's a psalm. And it's no surprise. Psalms are, are great. They speak in a very familiar way to us. We connect easily with them. They give us the sense of reality, as if the psalmist knew what we were going through and put the words that we can't find in these poems and songs. I think it's clear why God allowed in his divine providence to the psalms to be in the center of his word, of, of the Bible. When you open your Bible, right in the middle, it's most likely that you're going to land in one of these psalms. They're full of knowledge, beauty, wisdom, instruction, even prophecies, if, if we count the messianic psalms that speak about Jesus. They have a special way to point us to God and his glory, to his mercy, his steadfastness, to his holiness and power, to his blessings and promises. They tell us who he is and who we are. They inform our hearts, our minds. They help us to manage our emotions. They teach us how to speak. 
The Psalms are great to encourage our earthly walk, our passage through this foreign land. These poems or songs are not just mere melodies to be sang or recite. Of course, that is one of these many purposes. But God has gave us the Psalms so his people might learn from him and for him and about him and about the world that he has created. They speak about the nature of life and how is this meant to be lived. When we read the Psalms, we need to remind ourselves that these are given to God's people. And as much as we like to make them for me, for myself, individually, they are meant to shape us and to mold us together as we meditate in them and sing them. The word, the word psalm means poem. That is the literal translation of the word psalm. So when we approach them, we should include in our modus or Bible reading a reminder that these portions of scriptures are meant to be read as poems or songs. And why would this matter? The reason for this is because I think that poems are intentionally generating an internal reaction. It's a little spark that can ignite a big fire in our hearts. They are purposely used by God not only to stir up our thoughts, but our feelings as well. The Psalms are filled with an immense treasure of theology. But I say again, they are also poetry, songs. Their very nature is musical. And we know that God gave man, mankind music so that through that, humans will not only express emotions, but emotions that fit the truth that they speak about. They give expression to so, many, to so many emotions that each one of us experience. Loneliness, love, awe, sorrow, regret, contrition, discouragement and turmoil, shame, exaltation, marveling, delight, joy, gladness, fear, anger, peace, grief, desire, and the list goes on. So I reject the idea that in our Christianity... That in our theological cosmovision, we need to keep emotions away. That they are not invited or welcome in our worship or in our gatherings and in our sermons. We have a full book that explicitly displays the full range of emotions that God has given us. But he does, he does it so our emotions are formed by him, not by us. He is the creator, he is the giver, so he knows how we need to use our emotions. So we inform them through the Psalms, they are used to shape us to the image of Christ. And all of this is an introduction, and why is my conviction that we, that we can be greatly benefited by this word today. As we immerse ourselves today in God's word, the expectation is that he would work in ourselves so we can experience the fullness of his grace and love. Psalm 1 is a great starting point for not just for the psalm, not only for this book. Some people point that even for the whole counsel of God, the psalm speaks about people, about roads, and their final destinations. This psalm can be easily divided into two, into pairs. There's two types of people, the righteous and the wicked. There are two roads, two destinations, and there are two metaphors. Now, I want you to pay attention to this on the way that the language is used. The word blessed is used as an indicative, as a description. This is not a call to be blessed. 
It's not an invitation to be blessed. The text is not encouraging to do that. It is a declaration. It's a statement. Blessed is the man. And obviously man here means humanity, people, the literary figure of a representative of mankind. The psalm is pointing at a very important aspect of our lives. It is stating that in these two categories of people, one of them is a blessed man. And the word blessed here is used in plural. This is not a singular blessing. This is a term that is loaded as one word that holds many. So again, this is a statement, not an invitation. And, and I want you to take this very, very clearly. I, I want to make this point very clear. This is a statement. This is what it is. Blessed is the man. Not blessed will be the man. The blessed is. The word has been translated roughly and some other translations of the Bible as happy. But this can be a little confusing because in the psalm, the word blessed and blessed are not always the same word in the original language. In the Hebrew language, the word is entangled in a meaning that describes the state of someone and not a circumstance. This is what this person is, not what this person has. So this blessed man is happy, but this happiness doesn't depend on the happenings. This happiness doesn't depend on the happenings. He has been made or placed in a state of happiness. And what kind of or type of or, or happiness blessing is this anyway? Blessed from what? Happy for what? What are this blessedness? This word is used in the Psalms 26 other times. For example, if you, if you have your Bibles right there, at the end of Psalm 2, verse 12, Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Same phrase in Psalm 34, verse 8. Psalm 34, verse, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 40, verse 4. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. And, and come with me, join, join me as, as we read the two first verses of Psalm 32. Psalm 30, 32, verses 1 and 2. Let's read it together. Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Blessed is, blessed is a statement a declaration from God himself, not an invitation to be. And I think you're getting the picture. Let's go back to, to our Psalm, Psalm 1. Psalm 
this blessed man, it is so because of what God has done with him. This man, blessed as it is, has been made right a righteous man. See how the blessed man at the end of the psalm is called righteous. But not only that, but that the Lord knows his way. This blessed man, it is so because God has placed him in the right, <coughs> sorry, in the right relationship with him. And this is the gospel right here. This blessed man, it is so because God has placed him into the right relationship with him. And this is the shocking declaration of the gospel. When this psalm was written, they didn't look in forward. They didn't look in for the hope of the one who would come. The one who is himself the righteousness of God. They knew that they weren't. But they knew that he was coming. And they rejoiced in the hope of the one who God would send. What, a, what an amazing Bible read we had in, in Romans 5. That was no accident. <laughs> we didn't plan it. God did. As they, and as they look forward, we look back. They look for the one who was to come. We look to the one who came. Beloved, I really, really, really ask you to pay attention on this. It is God who has placed you in this state of blessedness. It is the grace of God that you can call yourself a blessed man. It is the grace of God that you can call yourself a blessed man. If you today have come as one of God's saints, you need to remember this. It is by His love and mercy that you are what you are. And He says that about you, that on His eyes, you are righteous. And this is the shocking declaration of the gospel. This is the scandal of the gospel. That into the eyes of God... Those who belong to him are counted as righteous. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. And because of him you are in Christ. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus. Who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Because of him, because of him, not you, because of him, he has done it, not you. Not your obedience, not because of your performance, not even because he might have seen that once he called you, you would have been good enough. Oh no, it's only by grace, it's only his grace. He didn't choose you for your riches, your look, or your intellect. I'm a perfect example for that. Verse 28 and 29 of the same chapter in 1 Corinthians. God 
chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Jump to verse 31. So that, it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. It is him. It has been always him. I am blessed because of God. I have been placed in a state of perpetual happiness because of Jesus. And now because of the imputed righteousness of Christ on us, God counts us as blessed. God takes the righteousness of Christ and places it on me. So now when he sees me, he sees him. When God sees me, he sees his son. He sees Christ. And my sin and myself cannot dull the radiance of his beauty. When he sees me, he sees him. Speaking of Psalms, a beautiful hymn, His Robes for Mine. It says, His robes for mine, O wonderful exchange. Clothed in my sin, Christ suffered neath God's rage. Draped in his righteousness, I am justified. In Christ I live, for in my place he died. I am clothed in him. He took my wickedness, received my punishment, so I could receive his righteousness and take the blessings of God. So I don't relate to God through my sin no more. I do it through the gospel of Christ. I don't relate to God through my sin no more. I do it through the gospel of Christ. Isn't this amazing? Isn't this the greatest thing that you could ever hear? That the holy, holy, holy God would extend his mercy towards us so we could be called righteous? To be sinless in his sight? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14 for by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time, for all time, for all time, for all his people, for all time, for all his people. This is the covenant that God, accepting the sacrifice, the offering of Christ, he put his law in our hearts and writes them in our minds. And furthermore, he says, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds 
No more. No more. Righteous. Placed in a place of legal justification so we can be with him. In his presence without condemnation. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Blessed, righteous, happy. Back to our psalm. Remember a description. This portion is not telling you to be blessed, to be righteous. It's telling you what you are. Now, I'm not implying by this that our obedience and devotion to God are not necessary. But what I'm saying is that you don't get more righteous than what you are right now. You don't get to add to that. You don't have that capacity. You don't have that ability. I'm pointing out that it's the work of Jesus and the radical transformation that God has performed in our hearts through His Spirit and your soul do not rest on your performance. Not before and not after. All this and we've seen one word. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. I'm really trying. Let's keep going. Now that we have established what is the deal of the blessed man, the text seems to take a break to show what he does not do. Might have been an Australian psalmist, because you're great at telling how things are not. How are you? Not too bad. It is hot out there. No, it's not too cold. What does not do? This blessed man. Oh, he doesn't listen. He doesn't stand. And he doesn't sit. If you are a blessed man, then your ears are not available for the counsel of the wicked. Their advice is of no interest for you. There's nothing that the wicked can give me that would improve my walk in this life. Their marital advices, their parenting techniques... What was that? The, the 10 step for a happy and fulfilled life? Thank you, no thanks. They have nothing for me. Their plans, their ways, their desires and cosmovisions are of no interest for the blessed man. I don't need their glasses to see. And again, I'm not saying that whatever you hear is going to be an abhorrent thing. But listen to your doctor. Your nutritionist might have some good ideas of how to improve your diet. Listen to that. But in this context, we're talking about the heart. We're talking about how we see and take life. The wicked, the unrighteous, have a different gospel. And they are avid missionaries of their cause. Listen to your heart. You only live once. If it makes you happy, it'll always be right. They even use the name of God. Of course you are this way. God doesn't make mistakes. The blessed man doesn't walk in the counsel 
of the wicked. The blessed man actively rejects the beliefs of the world. It says to them, no. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Nor stand, stands in the way of sinners. When you listen, when you incline your attention to something, you are most probably going to stop to slow down. The more you listen, the more you become static. You're not only standing, but ultimately you're soaking. Everything that the wicked says, they put to practice. We live in an era where everyone is entitled to define and redefine reality. You can be whatever you want. They say and they act upon that statement. Truth is whatever you want it to be. Babies in the womb are just a clump of cells, so we can destroy them. Gender is not defined by our biology, so you can change it. We can take care of your kids for you, so you can pursue your career. So we give them our kids. Porn is empowering, so people sell their bodies for consumption. Every belief leads to behavior. Every belief leads to behavior. So what the godless philosophy of the world invites us to hear is not just some advice, but a way of living, a form to perform. The godless philosophies of the world invite us to hear not just some advice, but to a way of living, a form to perform. The blessed man doesn't sit in the seat of the scoffers. Growing up, I always thought that the word scoffer meant someone who teases or that mocks like in a bullying type of way. The one who, who is like the bully of, on high school or school. I thought a scoffer referred to that in, in the Spanish translation that we had. But in reality, this word in this context is referring to those who arrogantly and foolishly say, no God here but man. So the way of living says, this I believe, this is what I do, this is where I belong. The famous ex-Beatle John Lennon wrote his famous anthem, Imagine. In his lyrics, he sings, Imagine there's no heaven, it's easy if you try, no hell below us, above us only sky. And the chorus repeats, you may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. But you know, John, I don't have to imagine. I know exactly how it looks like. I see it on the news. I hear it on the radio. And actually, I have a perfect portrait of how it is. Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, we'll just read verses 12 to 15. But this will give you a portrait of what it is, a world that imagines that there is no heaven nor hell. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 12 to 15. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, wink with his eyes, signal with his feet, 
points with his finger, with perverted heart, he devises evil, continually sowing discord. Therefore, calamity will come upon him suddenly. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. You don't have to imagine. The scoffer, he mocks God with his life, with his words. So the blessed man doesn't find companionship with them. There's no community between the righteous and the wicked. The wicked, the sinner, the scoffer, the belief, the behavior, the belonging. The wicked, the sinner, the scoffer. The belief, the behavior, the belonging. So now we know who and why the blessed men. And we know what this blessed man does not do. But what it does then. Verse 2. But his delight. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. In the context of the psalm, we know that this is a reference to the five first books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But for us, this encloses the whole counsel of God and his brethren's word. All scripture is breaded out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Training in righteousness. That the man of God might be complete, equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. The blessed man, it is indeed blessed because one of his greatest treasures is the word of God. This is what he longs for. This is the desi- his desire when, where he finds pleasure for his soul. The word of God is his delight because it is in these words that he can learn, he can be corrected, he gets wisdom from. Romans 15, um, Romans chapter 15, verse 4 Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The word of God is the fuel that will keep this fire burning. <coughs> J.I. Packer, one of my favorite theologians, said about meditating on scriptures, meditation is the activity of calling to mind and thinking over and dwelling on and applying to oneself the various things that one knows about the works and ways and purposes and promises of God. The activity of calling to mind and thinking over and dwelling on and applying to oneself the things that one knows about the works and the ways and the purposes and the promises of God. Now that we have identified the definitions and the contrast in the text, 
It is evident why the psalm uses these two metaphors to refer to the righteous man and the wicked man. Note that the righteous man has been planted. It's been taken from a drained, waterless soil to one that is next to streams of water. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. That yields its fruit and its season, and its leaves does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. This man grows like a tree, an evergreen with deep roots that not only grows but bears fruit. A man who is like a tree that bears fruit, and the fruit is not for the tree. I've never seen an orange tree enjoying an orange. That will freak me out. The fruit of the tree is not for the tree. The fruit of the tree is not for the blessed man. It's for the others. It's for those around him. This man is a blessed man that blesses. Those around him enjoy the good, the good fruit of his life. They are benefited by it. His life is the manifestation of the power of God and just mere creatures. No matter the storm, the winds, or the season, he remains. He is preserved. He prospers in everything because where he is, he cannot be moved. This is the real prosperity gospel, by the way. Not the other one that promises wealth and health. He prospers in everything because where he is, he cannot be moved. If God is with him, who can be against him? That was me. What could separate him from the love of God? This is the reality. No matter what happens, we remain in the midst of suffering, in the midst of troubles, through the storm, the power of God sustains us. The power of God sustains us. But the wicked, the godless, they are carried away. You know that you can't eat chaff? chaff? It is not possible to digest it? A human, a human body cannot digest chaff. So you have to get rid of it. The only way to get any type of, of value from it is to pulverize it, mix it, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> mix it with minerals and salt, and use it as food for cattle. The contrast here is it's, it's radical. The tree deeply rooted, the chaff carried away with no weight. We we recently had the blessing of having some some family holidays and, and travel to uh, Tambourine Mountain or Mount Tambourine. Someone explained to me the difference, but I can't remember which is which. The mountain or the village, I, I, I forgot. But we went to um, Witches Falls Park. And honestly, what amazed us most wasn't really the falls. It wasn't really the water. It's, it's pretty. But what, what really caught our attention what really make us, made us stop were the trees. Huge trees. Tall, big, with, with enormous roots that pop out of the ground. 
that trees that you know that they've been there for decades. The way of the wicked is a path that leads to destruction. The way of the righteous, God knows it because he knows his own. Since what I am is defined not by me, I can rest assured of how my life is and how it is going to be. Because I don't let circumstances to shape me. I don't give them power to control me. The authority in my life, the anchor of my soul is in him who came and took my place in death so I could take my place in his life. This is our comfort in life. That he knows me and that I can know him. This portion of scripture is about who we are. Who you can be. Is this not you? Are you not like a tree? Are you listening to the wicked? Standing in the way of sinners? Sitting with the scoffers? If you think, if you feel that you're more close to be a chaff carried away by the wind, boy, do I have news for you. The best news, the greatest news that you could ever hear. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. 1 Peter 2, 24 by his wounds you have been healed. The Lord of love has established that by the life and works of the Messiah, that by the sacrifice of Christ, by the resurrection of Jesus, you might be reconciled with him. Salvation, it is by works, but not yours. Not mine. It is by the works of Jesus who took your place, who lived the life that you can't, and took the death that you deserve, so you might live and live abundantly and fruitfully. This is what God says. I'm just, I'm just repeating what He says. I'm just a megaphone for His Word. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Jesus reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you believe this? Pour out your heart right here, right now. And he will change your heart. He will hear your cry. Are you tired and burdened? He will give you rest. And for those of you that are counted into the court of saints of God, preach this to yourself every single day of your life. You need to remember who you are. 
You need to remind yourself who you are. The Bible is full of encouragement, of reminders. Because we are quick to forget who we are, who God says we are. We're having communion today. You're approaching the table. But do you sit? You don't sit with the scoffers. You sit with the saints of God. These elements that remind us that what he has done. To the bread and wine that represent his new covenant. Don't come around carrying the robes of a dead man. You approach the table clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Your sin is no longer between you and your Lord. Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and enjoy the rest of God. Rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Blessed is the man. A statement from God Almighty. A declaration over yourself, over your life, over your eternity. Happiness that endures. Happiness that persists. Happiness forever let's pray dear Lord our Father in heaven redeemer of our souls gracious God we love you because you have loved us first we belong to you because you pay the price we are yours to keep forever because of Christ we stand in your presence with nothing to boast in ourselves but everything to boast on Jesus, your Christ, your Messiah, your our Savior. We sinners behold our King. We rise with hope and sing. We take your new mercies here today. Our burdens take, taken by grace. How beautiful is your name, O Lord. All creation declares your majesty. We have received your love and mercy. We are loved forever holy. Make us grow. Let us bear fruit. Renew us. We pray in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.